Welcome to an extra special episode of Let's Get Trashed, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be my first and hopefully only solo endeavor. There's a few reasons I'm doing this solo ep. Um, most prevalently upon my mind is that I've been very busy, haven't had time to schedule anything with my uh, compatriots, you know, Jimmy D and or Clarence Riley the Fourth. Um, you will see them in future episodes, but I didn't have any time to put stuff together. I've been pretty busy. Next couple things is I wanted to do. I want to talk about a few movies that those guys haven't seen, uh, including one that is that was until yesterday or the day before was uh, impossible for them to have seen. So we're going to get into that in just a little bit. A <clears throat> couple things. I do want to say thanks to everybody who's been watching and checking the show out. Um, it is really cool, and it does mean a lot to me. And it's fun to see all the comments, um, especially, of course, on my viral uh, tour de force of an episode about the Netflix film RRR, or rather, the Tollywood film RRR, which can be found on Netflix. <clears throat> uh, let's talk about that a little bit. We'll do a little bit of a wrap-up on that, because I learned a lot after that. I have no idea why that went viral. Um, my suspicion is that there's just enough fervor around this movie that people were constantly seeking out new content about it, and... Uh, me and Jimmy talking about it seemed to be, you know, interesting. And uh, I think it was, you know, I think there was a lot more hits than there were actual minutes watched. So, you know, but nevertheless, I appreciate it. And what I really appreciate is all the cool comments I got and all the information, all the interesting information I learned. Um, <clears throat> being that as a guy who does no research, as is uh, plain, plainly obvious from watching my show, I had no idea who either of these people were, but apparently our two main characters are both folk heroes, folk characters from Indian history, Indian lore, and this movie are, are, are you know presents to us an alternate reality. Uh, what would the world look like if those two gentlemen had met and uh, worked together, conspired with each other, blah, 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 how would that happen? Um Anyway, very, very interesting stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to my uh, most valuable comment by Smelly Person 81. No, I'm sorry. Smiley Person 81. Uh, if you, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm dumb. Thanks to Smiley Person 81 for putting in the timestamp of when the actual film review starts. Apparently, Jimmy D and I wasted 18 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, being dumb so thanks to him for uh helping you know pushing everybody expeditiously towards the actual content of that review <clears throat> and uh i love all the recommendations i'm gonna start working my way through all these indian films that have been recommended to me it's pretty cool i also learned an interesting tidbit is that um i so i miss 
I I said something. I I provided misinformation in that review. I said that the movie RRR was a Bollywood film because I mistakenly thought that Bollywood <clears throat> was the catch-all term for uh, movies from India. The same way that, honestly, I use the word Hollywood to describe any movie from America, even if it's, like, not a Hollywood, even if it's an independent thing. Like the, like the independent film I'm going to be discussing in a minute, uh, the meat of this episode. Um, I tend to say, you know, if it's an American film, you know, whatever. Hollywood is just a, in my mind, Hollywood is a... Uh, it's a descriptor. It's a it's a label for kind of anything that comes out of America. You know, you could call it Hollywood. You could call it Babylon if you're <laughs> if you're so inclined. But either way, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. You know, Hollywood. Even if it was filmed entirely in New York and edited in New York and had nothing to do with. There's still a studio involved. Whatever. It's just Hollywood is too inextricable from our film industry for me to call it anything else. Um, apparently, that's not the case in India. Uh, they actually, I mean, they, you know, they borrow Hollywood. They borrow that term and they just kind of change some of the, the uh, <clears throat> you know, prefixes. But there's Tollywood, which is actually where RRR comes from. Tollywood with a T, that's where... The, that's the Telugu film industry. Uh, as a country that uh, speaks multiple languages uh, and very commonly speaks multiple languages, their various languages have their own film centers, so it appears. So Tollywood is where the Telugu films come from, like RRR. Uh, and Bollywood, I guess, is more uh, indicative of Hindi films and uh, uh, maybe other languages. I'm not really sure, but that was made very clear to me in the comments, and I want to let you know that I saw that and I thought that was interesting. Um, I didn't know, you know, I thought it was just like, I thought it was a, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like a play on words. Like, you know, I didn't know what the B, I didn't know why, why they chose in my mind. I didn't know. I was like, why would they choose B, uh, for their thing? But I'd be like, if Japan had, you know, Jollywood to make their films or, you know, China had Charliewood. Like, I don't know. I just figured they were like, you know, everything is is everything is just picking a letter. They're just playing off that term of the of the biggest film industry in the world. And definitely don't come at me about that because we all know we we all know it's uh, we all know it's Hollywood. It's like it's so big. I obviously French. Ha you know, every, every country has their own thing, but you know, just in sense of pure like capitalistic. Uh, dissemination and reach you know you can't you can't avoid hollywood films and i'm not even i'm not saying that as a i'm not saying that as a good thing but you can't you know you can't step to me being like you know our film industry is just as yeah i, I know it's i know the product is just as good but it doesn't spread like the virus of american cinema does so and you all know that um anyway very cool <clears throat> Uh, lots of lots of different comments about this. Uh, Cyber Avatar. Basics about Indian cinema. Indian cinema is on since 1910. There are 20 plus different film industries based on different languages, regions. 
that produce an average of 1,800 films per year, in parentheses, most in the world, of almost every type of genre, not all musicals over the top. It's not all Bollywood. Uh, the term Bollywood was given by a foreign BBC journalist in the 1960s. So that's not even America's fault. That's England's fault, as is, you know, as is, as is most of the world's problems. Um, <clears throat> so, right, 1,800 films per year, most in the world. I get it. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I understand that. Um, and that's interesting. But we, you know... You're still your your cinemas are still making deals with Disney to, you know, have our shit that sucks. So again, it it it's not about volume. It's not even a, it's certainly not about quality. It's about like just the pervasiveness of uh, American uh, film business. Not even the actual artistic product. <clears throat> um, a bunch of really cool. Recommendations. I am going to check out some of this stuff. Uh, Ship of Theseus. Another Indian movie. It's Oscar level movie. And after watching this, you would thank me for suggesting this. Uh, and he's asking me a question. This is Eli Glasner. Would you say this movie will be in your top three movies you have ever watched? And he's asking about RRR. I have not seen Ship of Theseus yet, but um, that sounds like a good one to watch. <clears throat> Would I say RRR was in my top three movies I've ever watched? Uh, no, but I will say it's in my top... I can't say it's probably like my most memorable... Definitely one of my most memorable films I've ever watched. Uh, and most like unexpected in a way like I'll, I'll never forget the experience of like sitting down there and not knowing what was going on and just being kind of hit in the face with this you know uh, wild over the top story and, and how cool it was and then um, <clears throat> you know I had friends and family that have watched this show and reached out to me and saying they watched the movie and really liked it and stuff like that so that was a really cool kind of moment <clears throat> sorry hold on it was a cool moment I did uh, appreciate that. That's definitely something memorable. You know, I did like it as far as like just fun action movies. It could be top three. But no, not not top three films overall. That's not for me. But um, it's definitely top three memorable films I've ever seen. All right. Um, So I'm going to try to keep this one. I'm definitely going to keep this one short because I have no one to talk to and I'm just kind of rambling on my own but we are going to get to a couple cool things <laughs> one uh, as you know I don't typically talk about comic book stuff on here with the exception of uh, an in the can episode about Blade I don't really care about comic book movies anymore I'm done watching them <clears throat> I am pretty fascinated with what's going on with the Flash movie uh, the Flash Warner Brothers, The Flash, starring Ezra Miller. And I did watch, like, the Justice League with him in it, when his introduction as The Flash. Um, and now he's getting his own spinoff film. And boy, oh boy. He, this kid, Ezra Miller, is doing everything in his power 
to destroy this film. This film must be... It must be incredible for Warner Brothers to not have pulled the plug on it yet. Considering the amount of trouble this kid is in on a daily basis. Um, from, like, sexual assault and, uh, you know, underage uh, women accusations. And uh, uh, he got into a bar fight in Hawaii a few months ago. Uh, he... Uh, March 27th, 2022. He became agitated while patrons were singing a karaoke rendition of Shallow from A Star is Born. <laughs> he just starts yelling obscenities and he steals a microphone and then he attacked a guy who was playing darts and uh, yeah, he went nuts and uh, he guts, gets thrown in jail. And this hostel he's living at, some other people at the hostel put together his bail money, 500 bucks, pretty reasonable, you know, for a drunken disorderly, I guess. Um, and then two days later, those same people are uh, filing a restraining order against Miller. He threatened the couple, the man and wife, I th they, he threatened the couple saying, I will bury you and your slut wife. He stole the wife's passport and the husband's wallet with the social security card, credit cards, all kinds of stuff. You know, you know it's in a wallet, folks. Uh, it's unclear whether the items were returned. You know, he's just been on a tear. He was taken into custody again in Hawaii, throwing a chair which hit a woman at a private party, um, leaving her a half-inch cut on her head. Um, he stole some like a rapper and a producer, he stole like some of their music that they were working on. I guess he knew them and he posted it on social media. He just like stole their music and just posted it before it was unreleased. He posts unreleased music, which, you know, come on, I'm reading a vulture.com article and they're really trying. I mean, it's a timeline thing, so I guess they can't help it, but they're, I would have just left that one off. You know, April 19th, he hits a woman in the head with a chair May 16th, he, you know, he makes a video with his, with Oliver Ignatius's uh, music behind it. 18-year-old activist Gibson Iron Eyes accuses Miller of, or the parents accuse Miller of grooming their child. I don't really know what that means, but, I mean, specifically, but grooming is a popular accusation nowadays. Uh... Request for an order. Miller can't be around the kid or the, the young person or within 100 yards of the residence. Uh, something, something. What else? Oh, he's on the run with that with that person with the Gibson Iron Eyes. He's on. He's on the. He's on the run. Him and uh, Ezra Miller and Gibson. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, so so now he's like kidnapped somebody. Uh, anyway, they keep putting out new trailers. Warner Brothers is like standing behind this film. They can't wait to. Re they're gonna release this movie. Uh, August eighth. This is from yesterday. Vermont State Police confirms that Miller has been charged with the offense of felony burglary into an unoccupied dwelling in Stamford, Vermont. So he's out of Hawaii. <laughs> He left Hawaii. He's back in Vermont. Um, <clears throat> he stole several bottles of alcohol. 
and he's scheduled to a, he's scheduled to appear in court on September twenty sixth. Uh, yeah, wild. So anyway, it's going crazy. He's accused of housing children in unsafe conditions. I don't know what's going on, but um, <clears throat> if it comes out, I might have I might have to see I might have to see what this movie could possibly be if they're sticking by their star like this. I've never seen this kind of support from a from a film studio to a filmmaker, which. Takes us to the topic du jour, which is the Joe List Louis C.K. movie, Fourth of July. A film I was particularly excited to see because I love both of these uh, performers as stand up comics and I, I really love Joe List. Um, <clears throat> shout out Joe as a great stand up, seemingly very kind of thoughtful guy. Um, he has a film podcast as well that I love called Joe and Renan Talk Movies. It's Joe List and Renan Hirschberg, and it's just uh, very much a style I wanted to emulate, which is just one or two people kind of talking about movies freeform. It's not, you know, it's not edited. It's not um, not a ton of production to it. And I was like, well, if they can do it, then that justifies me not doing any production or editing. This movie was only very limited run, uh, only playing in AMC theaters, a couple, you know, a few AMC theaters across the country, obviously only in big cities that would have this kind of independent film. And I was able to catch a screening of it uh, here in Austin. I was planning to drive to San Antonio to see it because that was at the time, you know, San Antonio was announced first and I thought that was going to be the only I thought that was going to be the most nearby possibility for me to watch it, but it turns out they added an Austin one a week later, so I was able to catch that one instead. Um, Regarding the studios not backing their artist, you may or may not remember, what was it, 2018, when uh, Louis C.K.'s film... Uh, I Love You Daddy was supposed to come out. I think it had already done the festival run and was like widely beloved. And um, his, you know, his situation, his allegations uh, that Wall Street, no, uh, New York Times article or Wall Street Journal, I think it was New York Times article that came out um, regarding the allegations and accusations against him came out a week before his film was supposed to come out, um, inconvenient or convenient timing, depending on who you talk to or who you're thinking about. Um, And then that film was pulled from release. And CK, I believe, spent a lot of money immediately to purchase the rights rather than let it languish. He, He acted quickly and spent a huge amount of money to purchase, like, the distribution rights for that film so he can own it. I don't know when he's going to put it out or if. <clears throat> I hope he does because I'd like to see it. Um, but he might not. Even though he, even though I believe he does own the rights to it, he might um, forego, he might just not put it out at all because, um, for example, Chloe Grace Moritz 
who was his uh, co-star in that film. I think she pretty roundly uh, condemned him, at, you know, upon uh, upon reading this article. I think she took a pretty hard stance against it. And so I think he, my estimation is that he's not going to put it out um, simple matter of like, if he doesn't have the backing of the cast to release it, he, I don't know if he would want to release it in spite of them. Um, that also might be a, a groundless sus- uh, suspicion of mine, but seems reasonable to me, and I am not going to do any further research than that. <clears throat> um, let's talk about Fourth of July, written by Joe List and Louis C.K. I was very fortunate to see it packed theater i mean sold out theater i think it was selling out showings all across the country you know the the few showings that that there were and um really really fun movie Uh, honestly my favorite genre of movie which is they you know a a comedy with like a, a heartfelt comedy is my favorite thing um obviously i love you know I love silly, I love screwball comedy, you know, or, or just, you know, a <clears throat> Caddyshack, uh, Airplane, Step Brothers, you know, I love, I love stupid, uh, you know, wacky comedy, but what I really, really love more than anything else is like comedy that has a, some sort of emotional kind of depth to it, <clears throat> um, which, of you know, which you can't talk about that kind of comedy without mentioning the great Woody Allen and his entire catalog. Um, and then, you know, all the people that come after him, Albert, Albert Brooks or, you know, <clears throat> Albert, Albert Brooks movies are some of my favorite in the world. Uh, you know, James L. Brooks out, you know, collaboration with Albert Brooks. Uh, defending your life and broadcast news are two of the funniest comedies ever. Yeah, so those those kinds of that that's honestly my my favorite type of comedy. I I'm on record as saying I think my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time is Arthur, 1981, Dudley Moore. Um, hilarious comedy with an actual thing. I mean, uh, Ten is another Dudley Moore movie that's hilariously funny and and really has a uh not even a message. You know, I don't believe in a I don't care about a message or saying something like that necessarily I'm not but it just has a it has something else to it it has a depth to it that's just entertaining and I like I I love that more than I'll love a you know again wacky comedy Land, the the Will Ferrell remake of Land of the Lost love that movie seen it a million times but it's not a you know uh it it 
McGruber, you know what I mean? <laughs> these are some of my, these are some of the funniest movies ever made uh, that I'm referencing, but they they're not in my favorite category the way that these uh, you know more heartfelt ones are. And Fourth of July fits into that category. Fourth of July is really really well done. It's really great. It's so fun and funny, and it's well written and it's charming. Uh, well, let's talk. A couple things. Uh, we'll, we'll give a brief plot synopsis. Joe List plays Jeff, a you know New York City musician who is you know recovering alcoholic, in therapy, uh, dealing with a lot of you know whatever, dealing with a lot of problems, alcoholism and. Uh, and some other kind of stuff, anxiety, he obviously has, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, and he is encouraged by his therapist, played by Louis C.K., to, you know, confront his, confront his family, he's encouraged also by his wife, played by his, um, real-life wife, Sarah Tolomach, um, to, you know, confront his family, and and take that next step to to get over that kind of thing. And so the only the chance he has to do that is at the family's annual retreat to the lake house in Maine. Grandpa has a lake house in uh you know in the woods up in Maine. That's like their ritual and he's he's going he's leaving his wife behind. He's going by himself because he's taking this opportunity to Say the things he was always too afraid to say. Say the, say the things he thinks needs to be to get all the stuff off of his chest and and uh, you know get some answers and stuff like that. And then you know, you get there and and it's his it's him being uncomfortable around his family because they're you know he's just he's not comfortable. They're drinking constantly and he's he's on edge. He's on guard. Uh, and it's great. Great cast of performers, lot, mostly comedians. Um, obviously, I mentioned Louis C.K. Jolis and Sarah Tolomach, uh, Tolomach, Tolomachi. I have no idea, but very, very funny stand-up comic. Um, <coughs> Robert Kelly, uh, a fantastic, great comedian. Nick, Nick DiPaolo is the funniest character in the film. Uh, comedian Nick DiPaolo plays Jeff's uncle Kevin, uh, hysterically, Lynn Coplitz, great, great comedian. She, she's in the film, um, as well. So it's just, you know, it's a it's a who's who of of funny comics performing. I think, uh, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of people in it, and they're all very good, even the small parts. So it's it's very fun. And it's the kind of thing I like. So this movie is actually just recently for sale on Woody uh, Woody Allen's website. That would be weird. On Louis C.K.'s website. So it's worth you know purchasing it. I mean it's fifteen bucks, but I'm gonna pick up a copy so I can watch it again and just keep it. So I'm actually gonna burn it to DVD. I figured out you can do that. So now I'll just burn it to DVD so I have my own DVD copy. Um. <clears throat> so I can watch it without having to, like, watch it from my phone and, like, 
screencasted, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> hmm. What else can I think? Um, it is very, <clears throat> it is uh, it is shot very interestingly. I do appreciate like the way it looks. Um, it does do some weird color changes. I don't know if I, I am going to blame this theater. Oh, it wasn't an AMC theater. It was a Regal theater, which is even worse. I hate Regal theaters, um, and that's why. I don't know. Parts of it kind of looked blurry on the edge. I I don't I don't know if it was an intentional thing they were doing with focus in Fourth of July to um, some stuff. I mean, obviously there was a few scenes that were intentionally you know uh, color saturated and focused, and that would that kind of signifies Jeff is having a some sort of panic attack or, or he's he's having you know something. Those those are just brief moments um, that that give us kind of a a jolt and lets us experience in a sense what Jeff is you know, experiencing at that time as he's, uh, he's blocking up and, and getting, getting tight and getting, uh, you know, getting anxious. <clears throat> um, but I don't know, there might've been something wrong with my projector. There's a few focus things. I made it a little tough to watch. Um, next thing I want to talk about this film is, uh, something, you know, a topic that's come up on this show, on my show a few times is, uh, you know, separating the artist from the art. And again, I I've explained how Rotten Tomatoes works before, but if you're unfamiliar, there's the critic review section and the audience score. The audience score is exactly what you think it is. Um, people rate it it's a percentage of how all the people that go to rotten tomatoes and insert their rating and that's what you get uh audience scores 90 percent very highly rated i mean 90s 90s a great score that's an a a minus if you care <clears throat> uh the critic score 30 percent And right away, as I'm, I'm sure you can all see that disparity. How does most of the audience like it and most critics don't like it? Well, <clears throat> there's a few ways that happens. One is the nature of Rotten Tomatoes' um, rating system, wherein they take all the critics, and if a critic gives it a favorable score, that is in the plus column. But that's the thing, it's like, if... If ten critics all give it, all give a movie, you know, fifty-one percent or whatever, then that's a hundred percent on the tomato score. You know what I mean? If they're all 
inching into the good category, that's how you get 100%. Um, <clears throat> so it's not it's not an average. It's it's not a it's not a aggregate in the same sense that like the audience score is. Um, and then what that leads to, and I believe this is intentional because I think these people are. Uh, I think I think these people are duplicitous, and by these people, I you know the media and art, you know art critics and stuff like that. That leads to a lot of scenarios where we have the critics, the critical establishment, you know the uh, the intellectual class. They they get to rate something really low, um, because they think they know better and fly in the face of the of the audience score. <clears throat> you see that a lot with uh, stand-up comedy specials. I remember I think it's balanced out a little bit by now, but w- you know, one of the recent Dave Chappelle specials had a 100% audience score and a 0% critic score. And if that doesn't tell you right there all you need to know of like the critics are responding to this in a political way and audiences are just responding it to it like audiences. Um And they're just taking it for what it is, and then the the critics feel like they have to, uh, they can't be. The fr- critics are so infrequently honest, and they don't want to be honest. So that's why they, you know, uh, they they use their they use their critical time to promote, you know, whatever their belief or agenda is, and they don't really uh, engage with the subject matter, but they'll rather take it out so the reason this has such a low score if you go and read any of these reviews most of it most of it has to do with the personal conduct of the director louis ck um and then there's of course you know a lot of jabs thrown in one guy calls it a uh, watered down woody allen facsimile which that's kind of a weird criticism this movie's not as good as you know not as good as you're not as good as Woody Allen. I don't know. I don't know who wouldn't take that. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, who is first of all, and second of all, unfair criticism probably by Barry Hertz. Because if I click on his profile and find his review of the most recent Woody Allen movie, I have a feeling he's not going to be too kind about it either. For the same, you know, for the same personal conduct reasons that shouldn't, in my mind in my correct opinion obviously go fuck yourself if you don't agree with me that that shouldn't that shouldn't come into your uh your evaluation of a work of art so you know it's a, a lot of the stuff is actually pretty you know it's it's cheaply it's it's cheaply panned or it's uh <clears throat> Some of the stuff is not even that bad, but of course they give it a don't watch. Uh, they give it the negative review. They give it the don't go see this because um, because you know, and then they they go on to mostly be criticizing the again personal conduct of uh, of the director. Matt Zoller Seats or Seitz, whatever I don't know how you say his name. Matt Zoller Seats, who I actually have read a lot of his work because he wrote a book on the Sopranos called The Sopranos Sessions with somebody else. He wrote, I mean, listen to this inane description. 
The sum total of 4th of July has the same effect on the viewer as being trapped at a party with a nice but dull person who decides to tell you their entire life story without even asking your name. His chief complaint, I mean, you know, whatever. If you want to say the movie's dull or boring, you know, it's your prerogative. It's a heartfelt comedy. You know, it's not, it's hardly RRR. You're not going to see, you're not going to see jazz pianist Jeff fight a lion in Maine. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy about dealing with family, that, which is a universal experience. If you're not relating to that, then I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I can't help you, kid. <clears throat> but decide to tell you their entire life story without even asking your name. You just bought a ticket. You're not, how is the, how is the movie supposed to engage with you? How do you make this, how do you make this about you when you're not, you're supposed to be absorbing something? So anyway, again, you reread the rest of the review. They can't keep you know Louis's name out of their mouth. But anyway, I'm going to. I recommend this film highly. Um, if you're again, and I've already given my criteria up front, is that I love this kind of thing, and I wish we would see more of this. I can't think of the last comedy that came out in theaters. I certainly haven't seen one lately. I can't, I don't I don't think I've reviewed a comedy lately. I'd have to go through the uh I'd have to go through the Let's Get Trashed uh catalog, but we haven't we haven't reviewed a comedy at all. At least not a not a recent one. I guess Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was the last comedy, and even that was more of an action movie. Or it was, you know, an action comedy, again, trying to be like, you know, explosions in the background and having a fun quip. Kind of, you know, which is the kind of stuff I hate. Everything Everywhere All at Once, again, action comedy. So, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. There's not a lot of, like, genuine comedies coming out. Um, I don't know. I can't remember when the last Will Ferrell movie was. Um... But again, that doesn't even—that's not even what we what anybody's looking for, anyways. As far certainly not me. I'm looking for the something with a little more depth to it. So, anyway, I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna keep this one nice and short. I got to talk about a few different things. Wrap up. Read some of the comments from my RR episode. <laughs> uh, let you know about Ezra Miller and the wild wild ride he's on and we'll see if Warner Brothers cancels that movie uh he might be in enough like untoward or you know unsavory legal trouble to where they can't they can't afford they can't help but cancel it I hope they just let it roll I hope it just comes out um I hope he kills a guy Anyway, but the main thesis of this episode is go watch 4th of July, uh, which can be found now on, on Louis C.K.'s website. So purchase it. Um, you can download it, or you can stream it directly from his website for five years. Yeah, I don't know what the easiest way to do is. i got to figure out how. I, I'm going to probably burn it to a DVD so I can watch it in my living room. Because with the smart TV that I have, I don't know how I could buy something on a website 
and watch it if that website isn't Apple app or uh, Amazon's app or you know whatever so if anybody knows how to do that feel free to leave a comment in the meantime uh, do me a favor like subscribe uh, you know I guess leave a comment again and uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at Nictazo follow me on Instagram at Nictazo drums and uh, yeah go watch 4th of July spelled out it's not it's not 4th it's the word 4th of July it's written and uh, written and starring written by and starring Joe List co-written by uh, Louis C.K. very very funny movie about you know being a almost a black sheep or a um, <clears throat> being an odd duck at a at a family and trying to come up with that kind of stuff. But anyway, and and deep down, as it always does, you know, family triumphs. Uh, but anyway, really, really good movie, really fun. I hope they do more of it. I hope it's successful enough for them to justify doing more. I I love Joe List. Uh, go watch his stand up. Also, it's great. He's got a bunch of it on YouTube. He he just put out on YouTube. Great, great hours. I hate myself. Is one of his hours. Um, the last one was called This Year's Material. Hysterical. So, check that out. Anyway, thanks everybody. Uh, let's get trash.